Ashton, Ashton, Ashton Media. If you talk about personalization at scale, there's enough tech around these days where you can deliver tailored messages to clients multiple times through the funnel, drive them to the website, you know who they are, tailor the messages to them. Your return on ad spend is way higher. Overall return is better. And, and those are the people that are going to continue to get funding and, and continue to win. Hello, I'm Gavin Stewart, Marketing Director and Co-Founder of Ashton Media and your host of the Ashton Cast Digital Marketing Maturity Series, brought to you by our friends at Google Marketing Platform. These are short, sharp stories and solutions to the biggest challenges in marketing, advertising, media and CX. Please make sure to subscribe, rate and comment and tell anyone that you know that is interested in this industry about this podcast and your favorite episode. You can find AshtonCast on all major podcast players, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Go to ashtonmedia.com.au slash AshtonCast for more info. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to AshtonCast. I'm here with Des O'Dell, who's the CEO of Resolution Media Australia. Des, welcome to AshtonCast. How are you today? Yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's great to be on the show. Fantastic, mate. So, obviously, we're in some some very unusual times at the moment. You know, n- none of us have ever been through anything like this in our lifetime or our career, um, and, and that's all down to COVID nineteen. So, where were you when you first thought, "Oh man, th- this COVID nineteen thing is going to be very bad"? And and what made you think that? It was probably in mid March. So we we've got a, a big team. Um, Doing all all the media buying and 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 a lot of the digital for big global hotel chains, for example, um, and you know they they started shutting down all their spend, and and so that that for me that was the start of it, and luckily for us though we, we you know we 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 we're not one industry focused, so so we have clients across telco, banking, financial services, supermarkets, fast food, and and all of those clients were were pretty good, um, uh, whereas you know obviously travel travel was hit really hard to start. That was when I thought, okay, yeah, we're in, we in for a crazy ride. And are you seeing the the travel side of things? Is that starting to gain regain any momentum at all? I am seeing a little bit actually. So um, we we a client that we won only in the back end of last year um, runs a lot of tours around the world uh, and mainly into Europe and you know it's a bit of cruising and river cruising. They they shut down all their spend. Um, in in the March April time, um, we're now starting to see some of that come back, um, and 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 also projects. So so our business is, is is a lot of managing spend, but it's also doing consulting projects for clients around digital marketing. So so a lot of projects were were shut down. Um, I'm starting to see projects starting to come back now, although you know smaller projects up to maybe about fifty fifty k hundred k. Um, but the, those big digital transformation projects are, are mostly all on hold. Yes, it's been a, a very unusual time, and I think, and I think a big part of the, you know the unusual time is our social isolation and and you know the huge working from home experiment that we're all going through at the moment. So, so how long have you personally been working from home for? So, so Omnicom in Australia shut down our offices pretty much um, in the second week of March. So for me, this is week ten or week eleven. Um, I'm sure, like most of the guys, you know, it's it's. It, you, I can't believe it's been that long. Uh, it doesn't feel like that amount of time. Uh, every, every week is just a blur. 
Groundhog Day, right? <laughs> a blur of video conference calls and um, and just so much time on the phone. Um, mm. um, you know, by by the time you get to lunchtime, my my phone is like hot. <laughs> you know, so you know, like I should go get off the phone for a little while and and let it let it cool down a little bit. So, so that so that's been the really interesting part is just how much how much time we've spent on the phone um, and 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 discussions and video conference calls. So, but at least we've been able to keep the business going. You know, we're lucky enough to to work in an industry where where you can service clients from from home. Uh, it was a little bit of a challenge to start. Um, what, but once we got set up, uh, you know, a lot of my staff churned through a lot of data. Uh, they they were maybe sitting at home in a share house with no screens, trying to work off their laptops. So by the when when we when we got them uh, a couple of screens at home, you know, set them up with desks, and 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 they they were a lot happier then. You know that they they were actually getting back to being much more productive. So it it, t- it took a little bit of a while to get us all set up, but we luckily. Um, you know, working at a good cadence at the moment. Um, uh, actually, we surveyed our staff the, a, a week or so ago, and 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 most of them want to stay at home. <laughs> so, <laughs> thing, how do you uh, feel I, about that? Well, being the boss, <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I did. We we do a town hall every week with all of our staff, and um, and we have like open question session. And and I did get a question from 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 one of the guys last week, going, "Would it be a problem if I never ever come back to the office again?" Um, so. <laughs> So, so I sort of, you know, like and you said, I, yes. Yeah, I think I don't think it's going to be that extreme. Um, I think I think we're all going to have to work through this scenario. You know, in 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 advertising media industry, the margins are slim. Um, it is difficult to 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 make make good margins when a lot of your staff are sitting in the CBDs of ma- major c- cities. So, so you know, we we've already been talking over the last couple of years as you know. How do we outsource some work? Uh, do we locate some staff outside of the CBD? Do we move like further south out of the CBD in Sydney? Um, so, so, and then, and then you move on to the hot desking discussion. Um, and and this is what's going to be the big challenge: is is a lot of cl- a lot of our staff don't like hot desking. Um, but I don't think you're going to be able to be in an environment where um, you you allow people to come in maybe one or two days a week or three days a week. Um, and not use hot disking. So, so we we're going to yeah, have to be be in that environment. And and I I don't really have a problem with it. You know, I, I like the flexibility myself of working from home. I like the the fact that I can save some time on the commute. And and I think this has proven to a lot of business leaders that you can actually continue to deliver really really good results to clients with a distributed team. Um, the, you know, there are some challenges. Yeah, and and we've been pitching for a bit of work. Uh, I mean, surprisingly enough, we have. How's that been going? Because I mean, obviously, pitching is very different when it's over over Zoom, right? Um, it's 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 a real challenge, and and the the main challenge is 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 not so much in the presentation; it's more in in the in the nonverbal feedback, you know, in the, the the sort of body language and trying to get a feel of of the room, um, you know, mm. and, and and that that's that's been the real challenge. Um, pitching to existing clients where you already have a good relationship with them has been relatively straightforward. Pitching to um, to new clients where you, where you don't have that relationship already, that's been the real challenge. Yeah, right. And so do you feel that there's going to be less commercial real estate space used in the future for you guys? Because you've obviously got quite a big crew, right, at, at OMG. So, Yeah, I, I, I do think so. Um, and, and I think we might see us move to uh, um, an environment where we don't, 
where we're not all sitting in the CBD of of a, of a major city. Um, may, maybe we might have an environment where where we have a a smaller office in in the center of of the CBD where where clients can come and people can go for a few days a week, and then maybe we have a a bigger location, um, you know, further out of town. Um, so, you know, we 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 had the situation in Singapore just recently where. Um, our, our Omnicom office was located in the center of Singapore and, and they've moved it out to one of the office parks. And, um, you know, there's been a fair amount of uh, adjustment for staff because instead of now being in the middle of the city, they, they're way out of town. There's not a lot of coffee shops and restaurants around. To, fi- to go to clients, they've had to go all the way into town. So so there's that sort of adjustment that we have to work through. But in, in the end, it's going to come back to commercials. And I, I think you're going to find that if you're not – if you're not having all of your staff there every day, then you're going to need to work to a more flexible, hot desking type environment, and and that does create opportunities then to may, maybe look at your office space quite differently to to the way we do now. Yeah, I guess the space kind of becomes redundant, right? I mean, if you if you're not there all the time, you you know you got to got to be as as flexible as possible. Um, so moving on to the the next question for you, mate. So, you know, we're obviously all in in hibernation at the moment, and we touched on it before. You, you before when we were off air, um, you know, you're you're missing having some holidays as we all are. But what what do you miss the most? You think? Well, from a f- personal perspective, I'm I'm pretty lucky because I I live in Manly and I get to go and swim in the sea and have a surf and and go for a run. So from from that perspective, you know, I think um, no major dramas there. From from a work perspective. Like I touched on before, the the, the pitching has has been a, a challenge um, for us. Um, although you know we're not doing loads and loads of pitches, but the ones we have done have, have required an, another level of of rigor and organisation. The the biggest thing I've found is um, is is more the creative side. So so getting in a room with a bunch of smart people from different disciplines and trying to nut out a real creative answer, um, I, I've found that more difficult to do over. Over Teams or Zoom, than rather all being in the room together with a whiteboard. So, so we still managed to do it. You know, that's a big part of our business, coming up with creative ideas. Um, but, but it is a little bit more of a challenge. Um, it seems to work smoother when you're sitting in the same room together. I think you know we're we're designed to be together. You know, as, as human animals, like that. That's you, you, you touched on it before. Ninety percent of communication is nonverbal, right? So, you know, it just makes everything. It adds that level of of complexity to it. Absolutely. You know, I, I certainly miss being around my my colleagues. What do you feel are the most immediate differences that we've seen in the marketplace after COVID nineteen? There's been a lot. I mean, it's it's been like. Um, it's been a very interesting couple of months. The the obvious one for us is is cut and spend. Um, so, I think the the I've got some stats just just this week in terms of the SMI index in in Australia. We've shown a forty two percent decline year on year this April versus last April. Um, so so there's been a lot of clients that have been cutting spend um, as well as cutting cutting projects. So that, so that's been the biggest impact um, but very very industry specific so obviously travel has been impacted massively um, you know the guys at the other end of the spectrum fast food telco financial services that that sort of stuff not that impacted 
um, and some of them doing quite well actually. You know, some of our FMCG clients are doing doing re- 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 really well. Um, I guess so whoever makes hand sanitizer, right? Yeah, hand sanitizer. You know, <laughs> toilet paper, um, toilet paper. So Kleenex is a is a is a big client of ours. So 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 they they're killing it. Um, you know, p- people like Bayer. You know, pharmaceuticals. Um, people like Pepsi. You know, all, the, all those types of um, things where you know people are spending more time at home. Um, spending that money that maybe they would have spent in the pub and in restaurants on 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 that, that sort of stuff. Um, so so the, the the big hit was spend industry driven. Um, some industries worse than others. Um, the the one that I'm seeing now, which is quite interesting, is is auto. So so we work for a number of the auto brands in Australia, and um, you know they, they they were definitely not in the first wave, but definitely in in the second wave in in, in terms of cut. Um, in spend and, and projects, um, so that's mm. number one. Mm. Um, the the other the other ones have been just um, you know the shift in spend from from channel to channel. So obviously you know there's there's not much point spending money in in cinema advertising or or out of home or events. <laughs> yeah. So 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 that's sort no of one there. <laughs> so you know like. Uh, you know, I walked. I, I was in this uh, in the office on Monday actually, and and had a, had a bit of a walk down down George Street, and there's hardly anybody there. Um, there's still loads of ads out in the street though, but no, you know, nobody's seeing them. So, so the <laughs> the trend has been away from some of those channels towards um, uh, more digital, obviously. So people are spending more time on, you know, on 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 their social devices or searching online. So, so we've, we've been seeing spend being pushed to digital display, digital social and digital search. And, and, and also you sort of running in parallel to that, um, the, the, the costs, cost per clicks have, have dropped, dropped significantly in, in some, um, sectors, you know, it's, it's driven by auction. It's a supply and demand type thing. So you've seen spend levels drop as you've seen spend levels drop. You've seen, you know the, the CPCs drop. Um, so, so we've had uh, some clients taking advantage of that. We've had some clients pushing spend more away from brand towards performance. So, um, and I think that's driven more probably. And, I, and I'll talk about this next. Uh, you know what's happening in ecom. Um, you know, if you're spending money uh, on a direct action or a performance action, it's much easier to track that spend. And in in this environment where every dollar is important. It's it's extremely uh, you know if you have to front up to your CFO and said you know I've spent X dollars, um, it, can can you track that through to to some sort of performance metric or something is is really important. So it's been seeing a bit of that push away from brand to to so performance, short term versus long term. Yeah, this is the uh, this is always the big debate in marketing. Age old battle, right? <laughs> yeah, you know how much how much how much is brand and how much is performance. So and and we see that moving backwards and forwards um, all the time. But at the moment, I think. Because of the rise of ecom and and the drop in some of the CPCs, and 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 more rigor on ROI, I think that's probably driving some some of of the tr- the push more towards uh, performance versus brand. Um, in terms of ecom, yeah, like we we're probably running sixteen more ecom projects uh, now than we were running in in February. So so that just shows you how. You know, some of our clients are at the real cutting cutting edge of ecom, and and then we've got other clients who who've never really invested much money into into their ecom channel, and we've got the whole spectrum in between. Um, we've got a whole bunch of our FMCG clients who 
have obviously pushing heavily into e-com now. So, so they were they were, you know, starting to think about selling via Amazon, selling via eBay. But now, you know, they're talking about direct to consumer, um, and and so 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 e-coms a, a a big a big factor. And I got some interesting stats from from some of my colleagues in in the in the states just yesterday. Um, so they they said. Just, I'll just give you two stats, just to give you a, a bit of an indication of the types of things that they're seeing there, um, and, and apologize for not having any local stats. But they, so, so the traditional chain stores in the U.S. have seen an 80% year-on-year rise in online sales in April, um, and the digitally native retailers are, have only seen about 53%. So, so it, 53 is still good, um, but but you're seeing, you know, the 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 eighty percent um, uh, rise for for the for the more traditional chain stores, and you know I think this is going to have a, a, a massive impact on on what happens in the future um, and the investment levels that that go into into ecom. The other stat that I thought was really interesting was <clears throat> the number of first time purchases placed through an e commerce site um, are up one hundred twenty percent on last year. Yeah, so these are people that have never purchased before ever. Brand new online consumers. So first-time purchases up one hundred and twenty percent. So, you know, uh, so those those are just two stats that that I, I saw. And, and that that actually, we we all intuitively know that 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 ecom um, is is the default. Um, well, no one's been going to the shops, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> and then on the news this morning, I I, I heard that. A lot of the retailers, you know, they're starting to open up in Australia. Is is they actually thinking of of not allowing people to try on clothing and shoes in in stores? So, you know, so then you've got to go. Okay, well, that's the main reason why you would go to a store is to get the sizing right. But if you're not going to be allowed to try on the clothes, then why would you even bother going to the store? You'll just buy it online. You've been in the industry for quite some time, um, so you would have been through both 9-11 and the GFC. Have previous global challenges like that affected global business? Yeah, so I've I've got some really good stats on this. Um, our investment team have, you know, do do are always studying the marketplace. I'll just give you a couple of stats. I think that will really show you what what's happening in this space. So, generally, um, GDP and ad spend. They, they follow each other. So, so if GDP is going up, ad, ad spend is going up. If if you look at what's happened over the, um, you know, over the nine eleven and over what happened at the GFC, the the correlation actually went the other way. So, so for example, um, post GFC, uh, real growth in GDP was two point five percent, whereas ad spend was down eight percent. So, same with in nine eleven, GDP was up by two. This is a year after 9/11. GDP was up two percent, but ad ad spend went down by six. So, so there's this massive d- decline in ad spend in in the year post, um, you know, these major events. And um, but what what's interesting about it is is it only happens for a year and then it recovers significantly way to the other side. Um, so so then you move on to this massive debate around okay, we we all know it's going to recover. Is it going to be a V-shaped curve? Is it going to be a U-shaped curve? And if you look at all the data um, for Australia, and, you, and, and the same applies globally, um, mo- in most cases, um, ad spend jumps back very quickly. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, I, the, 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 the difference is, is that what we're facing now is probably, you know, it's a health and a financial impact. Whereas 
talking GFC, it was just finance. You know, nine eleven was was obviously something different. And you, maybe you need to go back to 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 the to World War Two to have something that that's comparable. But um, the world has it, changed so much though yeah, since it, World War Two. You know, I mean, that, and that's a very very tough thing to compare what we're going to now because obviously, you know, the, the internet was far from existing. You know, everything is extremely different between then and now. But yeah, let's 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 hope we don't have another Great Depression if that's where you're heading, yeah, mate. No, 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 I don't, no, I don't think so. I, I'm, I'm thinking I, I'm tending to more a, a V-shaped recovery as opposed to a U-shaped recovery. Um, if you look at the consumer um, index, your consumer confidence rating in Australia, um, it was tracking around about 110, 100, 120 prior COVID. It, it went all the way down to 80, but it's already bounced back up to 90. Um, you know, when 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 the GFC hit, it it was around 125. It went down to 90, but it took two years to recover. So I think the difference is, is that in the GFC, it it was led by um, financial um, you know spend, and 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 they took a long time for that to filter its way through. I think a lot of the regulators and governments have learned from that, and are pumping so much money into the economy that I think that the recovery will be significantly. Um, more V-shaped than than it was U-shaped during the GFC, and and you you can start to see that in discussions with clients already. You know, pe- people are starting to sp- think about spend, um, and and that's across the board across uh, all of our clients, even even those that have been hit by by you know the most, the airlines, for example. So, so I think w- when when we look at spend, um, so we we were thinking um, that the market the market would um, so the market's probably gone down about. Minus six percent in 2020, whereas we were expecting a growth of around 2.5, and you know that's probably taken about two billion dollars out of about a 16 billion dollar market. So, so although the numbers are big and the percentages are reasonable, I mean, it's not it's not as bad as you think. And and I think if you if you see a reasonable recovery in in the back end, some some of those numbers might be might be a bit a little bit less um than than what we think. That's one of the most positive things I've heard in months, I think, Des. <laughs> yeah, look, um, you know, we're on a lot of calls with some of our global colleagues and the impacts in America and Europe in particular seem way worse than what, we've, what we're mm. seeing in Australia. Well, they've been hit way worse with COVID, right? I mean, their, their numbers are way, way worse than ours. We just had our, unfortunately, we had our 100th death. Um, but, you know, where, where's the US at now? Um, oh, a thousand, hundred, hundred, I don't know. If, yeah, have, they, have they hit a hundred thousand yet? Like it's massive. <laughs> yeah, so it's obviously, I, I, you know, it's it's very. We're not really comparing apples to apples when it comes to COVID in Australia and other parts of the world. I don't think. Yeah, it's 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 a diff, it's a different beast everywhere. And if you look at what hap, what's happening in Asia compared to Australia, it's a different story again. So, mm. and and every every country in in Asia is going through their different you know their different timings and recoveries and and that sort of stuff. But you know, at least from where I'm sitting and the data that that I'm seeing and from what my colleagues are telling me, um, the Asia Pacific region looks like it's probably been impacted the least out of the rest of the world. And and then within that region, Australia's Look, looking pretty pretty good compared to some of those other countries in Asia. So we definitely we are definitely not seeing the worst. Of Beautiful. This. Well, fingers cr- fingers crossed for a, a V shaped recovery there, hey Des. And yeah. I think you, you kind of touched on this before when we were, when we were talking about e commerce. So um, so who in the marketplace um, has shown to be well prepared or rapidly a- adapted to the shifts that we're seeing? Yeah, so I think obviously the the guys that had invested in 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 e com. Uh, 
were were more well prepared than those that hadn't. But but you know they, then you go back to what, well, what does that actually mean? So so just having a shopping cart is 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 not enough in in today's world. You know you need to you need to have a good experience. You need to have um, as frictionless environment as as possible. So 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 those those um, companies that that firstly have a direct to consumer presence, but have taken it to the next level where they can actually um, act on the data that they know about that person that's coming through their shopping funnel, tailor different discounts or um, you know special offers to them to make sure that they get to the end of the funnel. Um, so, so you know, you, 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 everybody likes to talk about predictive marketing. You know, so yes, if those companies that that have have the data and have the systems and are further down the the, the digital marketing maturity curve, are, are the ones that I think are, are are ones that are coming out well. And and the reason for that is, um, firstly, obviously, you want to sell directly to 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 your consumer. The margins are higher. But secondly. Um, the, the further down the, that that journey you are, the, the better your return on investment. So, um, fr- from from where I'm sitting and the data that I'm seeing, you know, the, if you have a a, a a more personalized experience, and um, and you're learning about your customers and 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 you're tailoring that experience to them, um, the click through rates on, on on your media are significantly higher. Um, the engagement is higher. The conversion rates are higher. So your overall return on ad spend is 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 higher. So so you know it's not just about having a shopping cart that people can come in and, and purchase something. It's it's about taking it to the next level so that people have a good experience. That when you're bringing them into the top of the funnel, you're trying to bring them in with offers that are relevant based on you know based on their behaviors their demographics their location previous purchase all that sort of stuff so you know that that that's what I'm what I think is important so being able to use the data um, tailor that experience and create a seamless experience for people that are now all online those will be the winners so really it's about a lot of it's about clever use of the entire digital ecosystem right yeah and you know that yeah, absolutely so you know, we we do a lot of work around how how do you use data to drive insights? How do you use data to to segment your segment your market and give them a special offer? I think where where things fall in a hole is that a, a lot of people have invested so much money into digital marketing stacks in the last few years and and haven't necessarily implemented them properly, or they're not properly integrated with their existing systems. So. You know, there is quite a negative vibe around digital marketing transformation, especially some of the bigger companies that have spent millions of dollars buying tech stacks. Um, what what I'm what I'm seeing is, you know, there's there's a lot of smart things you can do on a more incremental basis. Where if if you have a CRM, for example, and you have a a reasonably simple shopping cart, you know, there's some really cool stuff you can do around segmentation, special offers. You you don't need like you know, a million dollar investment in a DMP or something to to start doing some of that stuff, you know, and and that's and that's where we really try to work with clients to go, okay, you know, what what tech do you have, what data do you have, um, let instead of let's trying to do you know the, the big bang approach, let's let's just try and pick some some campaigns that we can do. Let let's 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 have a look at the funnel. Where are people dropping off? Can can we we know. A lot about some of those people because they logged in. So if we know if they logged in, we know if they're a new, uh, you know, an existing client, we know what their past purchases are. Let's offer them a let's offer them a simple. Um, if they've purchased hiking boots in the past, you know, maybe offer them 
you know, hiking socks or whatever it is. Um, there, there's real simple stuff that you can do like that that doesn't cost a lot of money to implement and, and will drive real returns in the short term. So um, I'm really, we, we've always operated like this and, and, and tried to lead clients along that journey um, rather than trying to say, well, he has a project that's going to cost you millions of dollars to do. Let's, so let's try start and focus. small and have a play. Yeah, right. Let's start on a you know let's start on a small project and mm. and really try and use the tech that you already have. Um, you would be amazed how many how, how many clients there are out there that have spent money on you know on on a simple CMS to, to um, and a shopping cart for example, um, and they're paying license fees. Th- those those CMSs have evolved now, or a lot of them have evolved into more digital experience platforms, for example. And for not a lot of money, you can upgrade to the newest versions. And, and there's some real neat stuff in there. And and most of our clients would have a CRM. If you take what's in your CRM, you take what's in, in, in your uh, advanced shopping cart tech, um, it doesn't all have to be fully integrated. You can run a whole lot of stuff by, by some manual steps in, in between. Um, and, and it can drive real value. And I think into in, in post-COVID world, it's, you know, it's hard anyway to try and get marketing spend signed off by a CFO. Um, uh, Post COVID, it's going to be even harder. So, so those companies that um, that can uh, show what their CR, what what the ROI is, and that they and that they're trying to make every dollar work. I think those are the companies that that will continue to get investment and in the and the ones that will succeed. Yeah, fantastic. So, w- what role do you think digital marketing maturity has uh, played in coping with this crisis? Yeah, so so going back to the previous point, um, those those companies that are already on that path of using data, using tech to bring the the return or to increase the return on investment, um, I think th- those are the ones that, that are going to do well. The second is the ones that have put that extra effort in uh, around creating a great experience as opposed to just a, a, a purchase. So so. People and then people that are mixing those two together. So if you talk about, uh, you know, personalization at scale. So you know, th- th- there's there's enough tech around these days where you can deliver tailored messages to clients multiple times through the funnel, drive them to the website. You know who they are. Tailor the messages to them. Um, so so if, if you if you down that pathway, the the your return on ad spend is is, is way higher. Overall return is better, and and those are the people that are going to continue to get funding and and continue to win because, you know, they're justifying that spend. Would you say existing strategies uh, fared well in the early stages of the COVID atmosphere shift? Do you think? I think, like I touched on before, um, I think it's very industry specific. Um, how some some industries have continued doing pretty much what they were doing before, whereas other industries have had, had to change significantly. There's definitely been some shift from channels. Like we spoke about um, out-of-home cinema, event marketing, those types of things, uh, away from those, in, but into into digital, social display, etc. Um, what what we have seen, though, is that yeah, in terms of the, the ad creative, for example, um, some companies have had to be very... Um, you know they have changed their messaging way from from more from a hard sell um, more to ads showing human connection um, and a connection to place and community that sort of thing. I think you know it has it's it, so, a so, so so somewhat on the channels um, and then somewhat on the messaging as well um, has are, are the areas that have had to change. 
Mm, interesting. And so, what about in in terms of um, you, of your own agency? So, you know, how digital strategies within the agency shifted during the development of this crisis? Yeah. So we've we've obviously um, sat down with our clients and and talked them through where where we should be moving spend away from those channels that are that no longer have eyeballs to to ones that do. Um, we've worked through them worked through with them the the changes in the environment in terms of cost per click and CPM rates, which which in some industries have been quite significant. Um, we've also um, done a lot of work more around the owned and earned channels as opposed to, opposed to the paid channels. Um, uh, generally, those channels tend to have higher ROI and tend to have a payback over a longer period of time. So, um, we've, been, we've been actually doing a lot more sort of SEO, CRO type work as opposed to maybe paid search work. Mm-hmm. Um, and also um, one thing that we've been pushing really heavily with our clients is more around retention and upsell to existing clients rather than acquisition in this environment. And 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 the reason, you know, in, in good times, we, we generally know that return on investment um, around retention is higher than around acquisition. And I think it's even more so now. Um, so so we, we've been trying to tailor our our, our strategic advice to our clients t- around those pillars in terms of channel, cost, et cetera. Yeah, brilliant. So we're going to switch it up a little bit here, Des. It's time for a few uh, bonus questions. I'm just going to fire them out at you. Are you ready, sir? Yes, fire away. <laughs> so who would you look up to as a mentor or role model or muse for your own personal digital guidance? So I don't have a specific mentor, but I, I, in terms of the person that I've um, done a lot of reading of their books, and that is Seth Godin. So um, you you would probably know him from books like Purple Known Cow well, yes. and Permission <laughs> Marketing and stuff. So so for me, um, <clears throat> I uh, I've I based the resolution business around Purple Cow. So <laughs> we um, so you will see when uh, when you go to our collateral and that it's it's about being. Mer- being remarkable uh, about driving remarkable results to clients. So, so we we try to be a purple car for our clients. We and we try to make sure that um, you know that we stand out from the crowd in terms of the remarkable results that we that, that we deliver. So, yeah, I, I, and also what I like about Seth Godin in, in a lot of ways is is <clears throat> it's not all all just about digital. Um, a, a lot of times he takes the traditional marketing. That has worked very well for 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 a lot of decades, and he and he puts a digital lens on top of it. So, you know, I, I find a lot of what he writes really really smart. And his recent book that he wrote, um, it's called uh, "This Is Marketing." Um, you know, there's there's some really good insights in there. He's a smart dude, Seth Godin, and anything he does as well. Like you know, it can just be a couple of paragraphs, and you're like, oh wow. That was that was so insightful. Yeah. Wonder what well, he, he for just, breakfast. Yeah, he just sends out like a little like one line or something like that, you know. So, yeah, I, th- I think he w- he was supposed to come out to Australia, um, uh, and we'd we'd booked to take a whole lot of our stuff there, and it's obviously all been cancelled now. I suppose I think it was supposed to be in May that he was doing a bit of a tour around Australia. Yes, mate. Uh, I can I can assure you from firsthand experience, the events industry is having a challenging time at the moment. So, yeah. um, so what what. Books, podcasts, media—are you consuming right now to to help you with your own digital education um, for yourself, but also for your clients? Yeah, so so I've got a, a big mix. You know, staying on top of things in in the digital space is such a challenge. You know, it's so broad, it's so deep. Um, so so from a strategic perspective, it's it's more like 
you know, Seth Godin's um, books, you know, the, 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 that one that I referred to earlier, which is um, This Is Marketing. Um, what, what I really found interesting about that is it's about identifying your smallest viable audience and then looking at their behaviors and tailoring and tailoring your marketing towards that. So it's, it's really, it, it's about predictive marketing, but it's not tailored to predictive marketing. So so a bit of Seth and then a lot of different blogs that, that I follow around all the different sectors. So there's a whole bunch around programmatic analytics, et cetera. So. And uh, do you get into any podcasts at all, apart from Ashton Cast, obviously? I don't know if I should say this. Are these guys your competitors? I, I have been listening uh, to MR3, <laughs> MR3 quite a bit. No, they're great. <laughs> yeah, so no, so, yeah, there was a good a good one yesterday with Robert Morgan, who runs Clems, and you know it's a sister agency of ours. So, have been listening to that to that podcast a bit. Yeah, cool. Um, so, what's the trend that you're most excited about in digital? Yeah, this is a bit of an unsexy answer, but um, <laughs> doesn't have the, to be the, sexy. <laughs> the, the 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 biggest thing that 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 I'm looking forward to and driving towards is, is better integration of of the tech stack so um yeah within we, we've got a lot of people that are in the space um firstly they've made a lot of acquisitions that that they haven't necessarily integrated secondly it doesn't necessarily integrate well with other pieces of tech that that other that a, that a business might have so uh, i I'm looking for and, and you know the the capabilities around integration and the use of APIs and all that are, are advancing way really quickly. So, it, it to me the the answer to this problem is is not been buying really expensive tech stacks from from one vendor. It's 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 about taking what you have and and integrating it. Um, so that you can use a lot of the components of the tech stack that you already have, and 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 so it becomes about the plumbing. And unfortunately, without the plumbing, you you can't do all the sexy stuff. You you know you can't deliver tailored messages. You can't you can't build awesome audiences. Um, if you don't have that plumbing and you, and you don't have those APIs working properly, you're not storing the data correctly. Then then you can't do all that other stuff. And and I think the tech is moving fast enough for us to really address some of those issues. Um, I I think one of the most common things that I hear from clients is. I'm not going to invest any more money in in tech because I, I've invested so much and I haven't haven't got a positive ROI on it. I think there's a lot of ways that we can look at more incremental change, plugging what you have together with with, with other bits and pieces, and um, and and really driving some value out of that. So that that that's what I'm really looking forward to over the next sort of twelve months or so. Yeah, one of the one of the things that I often hear at our events is that you know lots of people invest in tech, but it's 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 about knowing how to use it, right? How to how to get the most out of it. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. And um, you know the, these these are big complex systems. Mm. Um, sometimes there's probably been a significant oversell, um, and you know you that that's where clients are struggling the most. And unfortunately, there's a lot of vendors out there that are are selling selling the dream. But to actually implement that dream and make that dream work is 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 a lot harder, um, and I really think that the people people are trying to do too much. Yeah, so I, I really would I try to uh, you know talk to my clients about let's start smaller. Let let's take in a lot of cases let's take what you already have and let's see how we can do some really smart stuff with what you have. And and most of our clients have a CRM. Most of our clients have got some sort of CMS. Um, you know that that will have some smarts in it. Um, and so let, let's take those and let's let's do a few proof of concepts 
um, before we start try, trying to run, before we we can actually work, walk. You know, the d- mm. digital transformation is 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 about a lot of different things, and you know, it started back in the day, in my opinion, around marketing automation. So. You know, when CRMs started coming out and then CRMs moved into the cloud and then, you know, they, they started to build some some triggers within CRMs that would allow you to send, you know, an EDM out to, to, to one group versus another group. And you, you started to see some behaviors and, and, and then you started to be able to tailor messaging to those. And, and, and so, and that, that's really simple stuff that a lot of clients aren't necessarily doing. You know, you, you don't need to have a DMP in place. And and be buying third party data, and you know there's a lot of other things you can be doing before you get to that point. Yeah, interesting. Obviously, this is uh, you know we're just talking about simplicity there, but this is one of the most complex things um, you know facing humanity at the moment. I think. So, wh- what are your thoughts on on AI in both uh, marketing, but also beyond that? Yes, yeah, so I, I think. AI and machine learning is 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 going to be a key part of of the marketing ecosystem going forward. It has to be the amount of data that we are gathering. It's just too there's too much data there for a, a human to be able to churn through. So I think in terms of the machine learning and the AI, even today I've I've seen some great examples of where that is being used um, in a in a really smart way, um, and and that's only going to get better. I, I think the issue is more. Um, about what we've just been talking about is, if if you don't if you don't have the plumbing in place um, to gather that data, and you don't have it set up in the right way, you don't have it tagged in the right way, and you don't have the mechanism to match the data uh, across different walled gardens or across dif- different platforms, then you, you know you could have the best machine learning and AI in the world, but if if you don't have those those that plumbing and storage basics in place, then you know that the AI, the AI is not going to del- deliver that much to you, um, and then I, I think you know on top of that whole discussion, you've got to bring privacy into into that discussion, and and moving to cookieless browsers um, in the future, and how are we going to deal how are we going to deal with that, and how are we going to deal with the different wall gardens, and how is that going to play into people's own DMPs, matching data, activating that activating those things into different wall gardens? I think, yeah. I think the discussion around AI is interesting, but I think there's a lot of other things that we need to figure out before we worry too much about AI. Uh, and, and this this isn't you know, a question that we've prepped for, but I, I'm really interested to to get your take on on your view on the cookie-less future that we've got ahead of us. What, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, so I have seen a couple of your podcasts, so thank, <laughs> thank you, thank you for that. Pleasure. I think you guys have ex- you guys have explored that that topic in in in, in a lot of depth. So this big 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 topic, um, I, I I don't know how it's how it's going to pan out, but 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 we all know that the environment that we're operating in today um, is is going to be fundamentally different when 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 that when Chrome turns it off. Um, so. I know there's a lot of work going behind the scenes to try and figure out um, what, what alternatives there are, um, but I'm not seeing anything at the moment which is really jumping out. Um, so I think the, a lot of the work that we obviously do around retargeting um, and gathering of data is, is fundamentally going to change. But you know, we still got a couple of months to go. What is it, about 18 months or 12 months to go yeah, before? We've got about 18 before, months, I think. Yeah. So. <clears throat> So I think it's going to push us more towards walled gardens. Um, within those walled gardens, you're still going to be able to do a lot of what you do today. 
but whether you can take that data across the, the wall gardens and match it um, and even store it. Um, so, 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 sorry, a bit of a rambling answer, but I think it's going to push us, push us more and more to, to the use of first-party data um, and, and really um, you know, trying to find ways to get people to log in, get them to use the app, get us to learn, learn more about them, get them to opt in, um, and then <clears throat> there might be some other technologies or changes to the regulatory environment that, that allow us to do some of the things we're doing today. But it's, it's, a, it's a big change. Yeah, interest, interesting times ahead there, I think. Um, so one more question there, Des, and uh, then you're off the hook. Um, if you could tell someone 10 years ago one interesting thing about how digital would turn out now, what would it be? I think um, there's two things that stand out to me. The first is how how advertising is moving away from an interruption-based mechanism to something that's a bit more tailored. So you know, when I was a young bloke growing up and you used to sit in front of the TV and, and you know, you'd get all these adverts just downloaded on you. Um, you know, now you, you can sit within your social medias and, you know, you can get uh, ads that are tailored to you based on part search behavior and your interests and stuff, you know. So personally for me, um, ha- having having ads that are, are personalized or, or relevant to me is, 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 a, is a big game changer and we shouldn't underestimate the tech um, that, that has to be in place in, in order to deliver that and the amount of plumbing and stuff you need to do. And, you know, that that's something that I, you know, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have thought, you know, we could deliver tailored, different tailored mess- messaging to to people at different points in the funnel based on their behavior and d- their, their buying signals. And, that. and to me, that's, that's really exciting, you know, like being able to pick up all those signals and then tailor your messaging. And because I've seen how that can really, really drive return the second one is is just the um the low friction environment you know so so a lot of businesses now then it's not just about selling their product it's it's about selling their product in the least friction environment that you can and you know <clears throat> you know i think companies like uber and that you know they, they were the leaders in, in terms of this and now you know e-commerce companies and that are coming along so so just just how much we care about the user experience and how much we care about personalization and, and how frictionless we're trying to make it is is something that's quite amazing to me how, how far we've come in, the, in that 10 years. Brilliant. Des O'Dell, thank you very much for your time and thank you for joining us on Ashencast. Okay, great. Thank you so much for having me today. It's been fantastic. On the next episode of the Ashton Cast Digital Marketing Maturity Series, we'll be playing the full interview with Michael Schneering, Managing Director and Partner at BCG. Stay tuned. The Ashton Cast Digital Marketing Maturity Series was proudly brought to you by our friends at Google Marketing Platform. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, comment, and tell anyone that you know that is interested in this industry about this podcast and your favorite episode. This series was produced by Podpaste and Ashton Media here in Sydney, Australia. Executive produced by Gavin Stewart and Kira Walter. Supervising producer, Darren Lake. Audio production, sound design and engineering by Eamon Connolly. Story writing producer, Charles Montano. And podcast management by Michelle Lee.
Ashton. Ashton. Ashton Media. 